the Kansas City Chiefs coming away with another win overcame a lot of adversity in this one once again but still coming out on top the Chiefs now 5-0 oh, uh, with at least a two-game lead on everyone in the AFC with the exception of the Cincinnati Bengals the only 4-1 team in the AFC so the Kansas City Chiefs continuing to win dominating and we'll take it 5-0 the only unbeaten team in the AFC and gotta love what you're seeing from this Chiefs team a much better defensive showing this time around offense not so much uh, but a lot of injuries and a lot of ejections took place in this game so an up and down game for Kansas City and They've got a big game coming up against the New England Patriots on Sunday Night Football. We will talk about all of that and much more here on this episode of the Chiefstone Podcast. Appreciate all of you guys joining me here on this episode. My name is Farzine Vesugian. I am the host of the Chiefstone Podcast. Hope you all had a great weekend. Hope you guys enjoyed your college football, your Chiefs football, whatever it is you did over the weekend. Hope you guys all had a great weekend and enjoyed the Chiefs game on Sunday. And if you were there at Arrowhead, hey, end up being a much better... Uh, game than expected uh and the weather was also better too so that was good to see uh, a lot of people had a good time and of course the crowd really got into it as as they usually did uh and tony romo mentioned at, at one point in the fourth quarter the score was 30 to 14 and the way the crowd was was reacting how loud they got it almost seemed like a game that was uh, a one possession game or something uh, so it's always great to see the arrowhead crowd out there uh a lot of fans in the nfl best fans in the nfl so it's always good to see. And now, Chiefs fans get to enjoy this 5-0 start. Second year in a row, the Chiefs are 5-0. A lot to get into, like I said, on this episode of the Chiefs on Podcast. Real quickly, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And hit the share button as well. Spread the word about the Chiefs on Podcast. Let your friends know about it. Interact with me on social media, facebook.com slash Vasugin. That is my Facebook page. Give it a like. Follow me on Facebook. Appreciate all of you guys who joined in for the Facebook Live videos at halftime and after the game. As always, I enjoy doing that with you guys during uh, halftime and after Chiefs football games. So if you haven't done so, come on in for the Facebook Live videos, facebook.com slash Vasugin. You guys can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21 plus my email, Farzine at FarzineVasugian.com. I think going into this game, a lot of people were nervous because this Chiefs team, they played some some good football teams in the first four weeks. None of those teams were were, were any pushovers, not, not one bit. I mean, the Broncos, their front seven gave Patrick Mahomes a hard time. You saw in the game against Pittsburgh and Los Angeles, those two offenses... Gave the Chiefs defense a hard time. So it wasn't easy for the Chiefs to get to where they are at 5-0. and Especially this most recent game. And now the challengers are starting to become more bigger for the Chiefs. It's Patrick Mahomes now going through those learning curves. Uh, you, you knew it was going to come at some point. But even then, the Chiefs still find a way to pick him up and help this team get to a win one way or another. And with this Jaguars team coming into Kansas City for week five, the number one pass defense in the NFL, number one overall defense, and also number one in points surrendered, the fewest points surrendered, 14 points per game. And not only that, keep that 14 points per game in mind for a moment. The Jaguars did not allow a touchdown in the first half 
all season long, and the Chiefs scored one on their opening drive. And by the way, the biggest deficit the Jaguars faced all season before Week 5 against Kansas City was by three points, and that was against the Tennessee Titans. The Patriots put up the most points on the Jaguars this year with 20. The Chiefs had 20 points right before halftime. They ended up scoring 30. And going back to the 14 points per game that they've allowed, the Chiefs had more than double of that in this football game. And I know there was that pick six in there, but hey, uh, I mean, you're, you're never going to have any regrets about that, of course. So you, you take all the points you can get. Offense, defense, special teams, the Chiefs uh, now have scored on all three phases this season, uh, they had the punt return touchdown from Tyreek Hill, the very first touchdown of the season. And of course, plenty of offensive touchdowns to go around for the Chiefs this year. And then the first defensive touchdown that took place in this game when Chris Jones got the pick six to help the Chiefs get a 20 to nothing lead before halftime. In fact, the Chiefs are the second team in the NFL this season to score a touchdown on offense defense, and special teams. The first team to do that, the New York Jets doing so, scoring in all three phases of the game. But either way, you see this Chiefs football team. And look, I I said for a while, I think this defense will improve over time. I I was pretty skeptical uh, after the Monday night game against Denver. And considering the trade for Earl Thomas wasn't going to happen because of the injury that he suffered. But I've always said that this defense has playmakers, and obviously they'll be getting one more back whenever Eric Berry returns. And there were some injuries that took place here with Justin Houston going, but even without Justin Houston, the Chiefs got five sacks in this football game. So uh, there are some good things happening with this football team. The only thing that I could really ask for is some consistency here. And I know the Chiefs are 5-0, and and sure, the Broncos game, that's probably the only majorly inconsistent one. In the second half of this Jaguars game, it did get a little interesting, but the Chiefs still managed to hold their own, and they came away with a couple of interceptions late in the game to limit the uh, the Jaguars, which I'll get into in a moment. But a win's a win. You're always going to come away with a win. And the, the, the Chiefs, like I mentioned earlier, with the Jaguars uh, not allowing a touchdown in the first half, the Chiefs got so early. That was right after the defense forced a quick punt. And by the way, the Chiefs have started on defense in all five of their football games this season, which, look, I, I think the Chiefs will always take that, and they want to get the ball at halftime in case they're in any trouble. And I think the most trouble they've, they've been in, uh, that Steelers game, that was... Uh, a difficult one because you you led 21 nothing at one point and then the Steelers tied it up uh, at 21 right before halftime and then uh, also tied against the Broncos too, uh, not to mention that. But uh, the Chiefs, uh, I mean, getting the football in the second half certainly has benefited them, more, especially within that uh, Steelers game. Uh, didn't help them too much in that Broncos game, but hey, uh, nonetheless, uh, the Chiefs have done a good job starting off on defense, not allowing a touchdown on an opening possession. The only team to not allow uh, a touchdown or any sort of points on an opening drive, uh, starting off on defense and coming away with with scores in a lot of their opening possessions so far. So you got to love what you're seeing from the Kansas City Chiefs and how they start off football games. That always sets the tone for a team. When you can get off to a great start, it will bode well for the remainder of the game. Chiefs got a couple of field goals uh, after the Patrick Mahomes touchdown run. Uh, which, by the way, second week in a row he's ran it for a touchdown. The only two 
rushing touchdowns he's had in his career. So they get a couple of uh, field goals in the second quarter. Chris Jones gets a huge pick six to make it 22-0 before halftime, as I alluded to earlier. And uh, also with the help of Blake Bortles, as the Jaguars were moving the ball very well in the uh, second quarter, right before halftime, uh, throwing the football, the football hits a lineman's helmet, and it's picked off by Steven Nelson in the end zone right before halftime. So the Chiefs holding the Jaguars scoreless in the first half. And by the way, if you look at the last three drives for the Jaguars, they had a uh, a fumble, a pick six, and a pick in the other end zone against Kansas City. And by the way, the fumble, I want to go back. Patrick Mahomes did throw his first interception as well as his second of the season in this football game. And I'll get into it a little bit later, uh, but neither of those interceptions hurt the Chiefs. And the biggest reason, and I mentioned this before, when Patrick Mahomes, and this was uh, more relevant in that 49ers game, had a couple of passes that weren't necessarily good, but the the Chiefs pass catchers still did everything they could to make sure they caught those passes because they wanted to make those plays right there. And you saw the Chiefs helping up Pat Mahomes when maybe he wasn't doing well at times. And they did it last week as well. And that rally against the Denver Broncos. And in this game, Patrick Mahomes makes his biggest mistake of the season. And people want to talk about the ball slipping out. Well, look, you knew it was going to rain and the conditions were going to be wet. And you you spend all week preparing for that kind of stuff. Mahomes threw an interception in the second quarter. But on the very next play, D. Ford caused a strip sack. And it was recovered by rookie Breland Speaks making his first big play in the NFL. And then shortly after that, the Chiefs ended up capping it off with a field goal. So obviously the interception didn't hurt Kansas City, but uh, gosh, the the defense really did come through. They forced that fumble, they get a pick six, and they get another interception, this time in their own end zone. So Kansas City with three takeaways in each of the final three defensive uh, drive or offensive drives for the Jaguars, that is, right before halftime. And again, for uh, for a defense that's been criticized so much, and I know Blake Bortles, not the greatest quarterback in the NFL, but I'll say this right now. This is a Jaguars team that went to the AFC title game. I don't care if their offense isn't necessarily AFC championship material, if they're conference championship type of material offense. This is still a team that went to the AFC title game. And when you can have a game like this against that Jaguars team, a team that did not even allow 20 points in a game this year, and you added 10 more than that against them, when that offense doesn't do very well and you come away with a bunch of sacks and a bunch of interceptions, you always take that. You hold them scoreless for more than two and a half quarters. This Chiefs defense did a lot in this football game. They really did. The Chiefs offense was quiet to start off the second half. Got a field goal. Uh, but eventually the Jaguars, uh, they got into it a little bit. Uh, especially with the defensive players getting in the heads of some of the Chiefs players. At one point, you could see the uh, Jalen Ramsey before the game was even trying to get in uh, the heads of some Chiefs players during pregame warmups. And then at one point during the game, you would see him and Tyreek Hill exchanging a lot of words. It's mostly from Ramsey. But Hill was just kind of focused on himself. At one point, Kareem Hunt had a big run. And then he turns around, approaches one of the Jaguars players aggressively, hits him in the head uh, with the helmet, and he's, of course, penalized. And I thought this was a stupid move by Kareem Hunt because you're winning 20 to nothing. I don't know exactly what was said, 
by that Jaguars player. I know I know there are some personal things that can be said by some of those Jaguars players. Uh, I know a lot of times um, some NFL teams, they have been criticized for some of the language they've used in talking to uh, potential draft picks when they do their um, their personal interviews with them. But the reason for that, that that I've heard some people throw out there is because there are NFL players who talk like that, that trash talk like that, and they want to know how you'll react uh, in a situation like that. Maybe not the practice I would agree with, but uh, you have to mentally prepare them for those kinds of things because it is part of the game, and if you retaliate the way Kareem Hunt did, you're going to get penalized for that, and that's not never anything you can afford. It's going to hurt your football team. Kareem Hunt was just fine Saturday night for lowering his helmet uh, when he was trucking one of the uh, Denver uh, players on Monday night, uh, fined nearly uh, $27,000, which I'll get into a little bit later, but Kareem Hunt might get fined for the second week in a row, and you know, with some of the ejections that took place, a possible suspension could come into play, and I'll get into w- which one I think could happen the most, but listen, when you're leading, when you're leading 20 to nothing, there is no reason to do that, and you know what this reminds me of, and of course I'm, a, I'm an MMA fan, so of course I'll bring this up. But I'm sure all of you heard about the fight between Habib Nurmagomedov and Conor McGregor Saturday night in which Habib won by submitting McGregor in the fourth round. But he didn't end it there. He, he was still shouting at McGregor and the referee had to push him away. And then Habib looks over to Conor's corner, throws his mouthpiece at them, and then jumps over the cage and attacks one of uh, Conor's cornermen because he was shouting at Habib right after the fight. And to me, I mean, that's just ridiculous. Why are you attacking uh, the... Uh, first of all, you can't jump over the cage and attack people. Uh, I mean, th- th- there was that's a criminal offense, and it could also lead to a suspension and possibly a title strip, but you won the fight. Conor McGregor was trash-talking, you know, this entire time, and you submitted it, and Conor couldn't even do anything in this fight. Why take it a step further? Same exact thing could be said in this football game. You're leading 20 to nothing. Why are you aggressively going uh, up to a Jaguars defender and hitting his head with your head? Uh, Of course you're going to get flagged for that. Andy Reid went off on Kareem Hunt for that. You cannot allow that. This is something that Marcus Peters and Travis Kelsey have been criticized for in the past with the Chiefs. So this is one of those things where... You've got to keep your emotions in check. And listen, I get it. This Jaguars team, for whatever reason, they seem to get under Kansas City's skin a little easier than uh, maybe we'd like to admit. If you forgot, two years ago, in 2016, at Arrowhead, the Jaguars came to Kansas City. Travis Kelsey went off in this foot- in that football game. A uh, couple of penalties that... The referees missed some very obvious ones. A horse collar penalty definitely missed. Another interference call was missed. And Jaguars players were going off on Kelsey the whole time. And at one point, Kelsey lost it when uh, a referee threw a flag at Kelsey. And Kelsey grabs his towel, throwing it at the referee's uh, direction, which led to an ejection. Uh, And in this game, two Chiefs players were ejected. D. Ford and Chris Jones, who of course had a great game, uh, but unfortunately was cut short due to his ejection. The the Chris Jones ejection was completely... uh, uncalled for so the chief the uh, jaguars get the pat and for whatever reason chris jones he's on top of a a a player and look it happens players fall on each other 
and Jones punches a player uh, in the back of his leg while he's on the ground, and that's and referees are not going to put up with that. There's a flag for that, and uh, of course, an automatic ejection. So Chris Jones, I mean, that's something he has to, to to deal with. And man, if I had to put money down, and I would love to be wrong, but I think Chris Jones is going to be suspended Sunday night against Kansas City. And considering the game that he just had, uh, a defensive player of the week type of performance, man, I don't know if I want Chris Jones absent ever. Especially when you're getting ready to play a team called the New England Patriots. And by the way, they've got a quarterback by the name of Tom Brady. You've probably heard of him. Hands down, maybe the best quarterback we've seen in nearly the last 20 years. So this is a football team, a Chiefs football team, that is, that could not keep their emotions in check here. D. Ford, at one point, he he pushed a uh, Jaguars player, which I don't think really warranted a an unsportsmanlike penalty. But hey, look, you you can never let that happen, and D. Ford did. And then at one point, uh, it was Blake Bortles who was pushed out of bounds for a sack. He fell down on the sidelines, and D. Ford went uh, on top of him, and you could you could tell he was saying something, and that was a flag for unsportsmanlike conduct. And because that was his second one, that led to an ejection. So I don't know exactly what the NFL is going to do with that if they can. Find D Ford for two. First of all, taunting penalties happen, and the players don't always get fined for it. Uh, and plus, the uh, the first on sports penalty. I mean, it was not even that aggressive of a shove. I thought it was kind of a ridiculous penalty there. So I don't know exactly if D Ford is going to get flagged for two on sportsmanlike penalty. And listen, the league is always going to take the referee side on these things, even when the most horrendous call. The the, the league will still. Uh, come up with some sort of excuse to defend the referees on uh, on whatever issue it is, because that's just the way they always want to operate. Uh, but D Ford, I mean, look, uh, the taunting penalty—you know, you already have one on sportsmanlike penalty on you. You should never have let it come down to that for a second time. You shouldn't have. And there was no reason to really push back at the player. He did. Uh, listen, some referees, they may be a little bit more strict than others, so you just have to really play, you have to adjust to their level, I guess. You just have to. So D. Ford got ejected for two unsportsmanlike penalties. Chris Jones got ejected for uh, an uncalled for action, uh, punching a uh, Jaguars player in the back of his leg, and then Kareem Hunt, uh, who um, uh, approached a Jaguars player with his helmet, to the, to, to the defender's helmet, uh, which I think that's going to be a fine. I don't know with the D Ford situation. It's not like he did anything, you know, awful. Uh, Chris Jones, I definitely think he's getting a fine. Uh, him and Hunt are both getting fined for sure. I do think that Chris Jones suffers a suspension for this. I do think it's a one-game suspension coming up for Chris Jones. And man, this is a bad week. Uh, never a good week for it. I, I, I mean, I'll never say it even against the worst team. Uh, but against the Patriots of all teams, this is the worst time uh, to lose someone, especially on the defensive side of the football. When your defense hasn't been good all year and they have easily their best game of the season, uh, not a good time to lose a player on defense. So this is something that Kansas City has to deal with moving forward. We'll learn more about this uh, defense and who's going to be available, who's not. Uh, a lot of injuries too. Justin Houston, uh 
real quickly, uh, trying to look up his injury. He has a, he had a hamstring injury. He did not come back with. Tino Passanio also suffered an injury in this one. Uh, Breland Speaks, I believe, suffered an injury near the end of the game. The Armani Watts had a groin injury in which he broke up a, a big uh, pass uh, on fourth down. And and by the way, Orlando Skandrick, who I need to mention as well, also came up with a big pass breakup in the end zone. Had a fairly good game too. Uh, a couple of missed tackles there for, from him and as well as some of the other Chiefs, which we've seen all year long. But it wasn't to a maximum like it is usually with this Chiefs defense. We saw less of that in this football game. And listen, this Jaguars offense has some good football players. They really do. Uh, so it was it was good to see the Chiefs come away with uh, some of those big stops on fourth down. A couple of them in this football game, in fact. Uh, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif uh, on the offensive side. Uh, he went down with an apparent leg injury. It ended up uh, being a fractured fibula. Andy Reid said uh, it will take a while, but he won't be out for the season. Uh, you can never be too sure about that. Uh, you never know sometimes with these kinds of things. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, you, LDT, his season is not done quite yet. Uh, but for the time being, he is not available for the Chiefs. And if you look at the depth chart for the Chiefs, what are the options they have uh, as far as a replacement for LDT? Well, you've got Cameron Irving, uh, who's listed as the backup at right guard. You've also got uh, Khalil McKenzie. Also a backup guard, uh, drafted uh, earlier uh, this year in the offseason as an offensive or defensive lineman, switching to the offensive side of the football. The Chiefs also have Jordan Devey, who uh, came from San Francisco. Uh, he's a guy who could maybe convert to guard. Uh, that, that's also an option there. So we'll see what the Chiefs do with that as the week goes on. That's going to be one of the biggest storylines for the Chiefs in practice this week. And of course, we will talk about that much more in Thursday's episode when we preview the game between the Chiefs and the Patriots. So... That's something Andy Reid and uh, the offensive coaching staff, uh, they've got to figure out as uh, the week goes on. So uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But as far as uh, going back to the defensive uh, perform- or more for with Kareem Hunt, uh, that's kind of where I left off. I know we got uh, sidetracked there. But Kareem Hunt, as frustrated he's got, as he got, he eventually got in with a big touchdown. Uh, in fact, his fourth rushing touchdown in the last three games. He had 22 carries in this game for 87 yards. Uh, Tyree Kill, Spencer Ware, Damian Williams, they got involved a little bit on the ground game. They had four total carries uh, between those three and probably would have had a little bit more if that rain continued the rest of the game, but it was only for the first quarter and it cleared up after that, which allowed the Chiefs and even the Jaguars to do some things that you may not uh, have expected from them given what we thought the weather conditions were going to be like. And as far as the offense goes, uh, Jalen Ramsey kind of went off on the uh, on Tyreek Hill earlier this week saying that he's not an elite wide receiver. He went into the Pro Bowl as a return specialist. He was an AP return specialist guy. Well, return specialist Tyreek Hill, not only did he distract Jalen Ramsey all, all game long, but he also burned him at one point for a 36-yard play, which is one of the bigger highlights listed on NFL.com's front page. So return specialist Tyreek Hill, apparently not a, an elite wide receiver, came away with a big play against Jalen Ramsey. And in uh, this Chiefs offense, man, uh, I mean, they really do have a lot of weapons all across the board. Travis Kelsey in this football game, uh, he, he really came through for the Chiefs w- when they needed him. And like I said, Tyreek Hill, he's someone who was trying to focus more on Jalen Ramsey, distracting him and keeping him away from some of the big plays that he could make against Kelsey or Watkins. And, and you look at Kelsey, had five catches for 100 yards. Watkins, six catches for 78 yards. And Hill, not a lot uh, not a lot of statistics for him. Four catches for 61 yards 
but that 36-yard catch-and-run play against Jalen Ramsey, I mean, that was a big one right there that helped the Chiefs get close to another field goal. Chris Conley had a couple of catches in this game. Sherman, Ware, Thomas, uh, Hunt, and Demetrius Harris all had a catch in this football game. Yes, Demetrius Harris had a catch in this football game. It would not be a complete podcast without an air horn celebration for Demetrius Harris. So he got involved a little bit in the game for the Chiefs. Also had a return in this one too, but didn't go very, very far. Uh, but, but, but nonetheless, I, I mean, this defense really came through. Uh, by the way, uh, Jordan Lucas, who whose name nobody knew, uh, he came away with a huge interception in the fourth quarter, running it back all the way to midfield. And for those who don't know who Jordan Lucas is, the Chiefs traded a 2020 seventh-round pick to Miami for Jordan Lucas. So you look at some of the players who, who made big plays. Armani Watts had that nice play on fourth and two uh, when the Jaguars were trying to uh, throw a pass in the end zone. He broke that up. Uh, Jordan Lucas, another young guy uh, who many may not know of, he came away with a big interception to help uh, keep the Jaguars away from putting up more points on the scoreboard. Uh, other interceptions, I mentioned Chris Jones, the pick six. Steven Nelson, the uh, interception right before halftime. He came through with a nice uh, interception and also a nice uh, celebration with the Chiefs uh, secondary during the uh, tip drill there. And then at the very end of the game, Orlando Skindrick, who uh, played a pretty good game uh, going up against the Jaguars uh, receiving core, and more specifically against Moncrief. Uh, he came away with an interception near the end of the game to just wrap things up uh, as the Chiefs sat on it on the final play after that interception. And also the fumble recovery, Breland speaks five sacks, again, from, from Chris Jones, Terrence Smith uh, getting his first career sack, the rookie, Xavier Williams, Alan Bailey, and D. Ford each had a sack, and then four different players with an interception, Jones, uh, getting a sack and a pick. Steven Nelson, Jordan Lucas, and Orlando Skandrick. And of course, I mentioned Breland Speaks coming away with his big, uh, his first big NFL play on that fumble recovery there. Uh, just great to see from this Chiefs defense. This defense has allowed nearly 29 points per game in the first four weeks, and they held the Jaguars to 14 points. A shutout for two and a half quarters. And by the way, speaking of a shutout, I know the Chiefs didn't get it, but I looked this up during the game. The last time the Chiefs blanked a team, uh, it was on January the 9th, 2016, in the wild card round of the playoffs at Houston, the first playoff win in 22 seasons, uh, winning that one 31 to 0. And uh, on the very first play of the game, uh, on, on the uh, kickoff. Uh, Niall Davis uh, went back all the way for a touchdown, which was more than enough to win this football game. Uh, the last regular season shutout, that was on October the 23rd in 2011 at Oakland. That was the game where the Chiefs had six interceptions, including two interceptions from Brandon Flowers. Uh, and the Chiefs had two different players, Brandon Flowers being one of them. I can't remember who the other one was, but the Chiefs had two players uh, get a pick six in that game. But the last shutout went at home. It's been a while, October the 1st, 2006 against the 49ers, 41 to nothing. And to put that, that into perspective, that was Tom Bahali's rookie season, and he was just released this past offseason. In fact, that was uh, Holly's first win uh, as a Chiefs player, the, the first one he was a part of in Kansas City uh, as the team did start 0-2 that season. That was the same year the Chiefs lost Trent Green to a concussion. That was his final year with the Kansas City Chiefs and the first uh, season uh, under former Chiefs head coach Herm Edwards. So uh, 
it's been a while since the Chiefs have last had a shutout win, especially in the regular season and at home. Uh, so for those who are curious about that, nearly a, sh- uh, a shutout for three quarters and uh, the Chiefs unable to come away with one. So hopefully they can come away with one at some point this year. Now, some of the negatives in this football game. Uh, Chiefs have allowed 502 yards. Second time this year, they've allowed more than 500 yards. Fourth time, they've allowed more than 400 yards. The only time they've held a team below 400 yards was this past Monday night against the Broncos, allowing 385 yards. And I I said this before, when the Chiefs have had these big leads against the Chargers and the Steelers, uh, these teams have been forced to air it out a bit more, abandon the running game because they are playing from behind, and that's a big reason why the Chiefs have allowed so many yards. I'm not saying the Chiefs' defense is great, but that's a bit, that's one of the reasons why they've allowed so many yards because uh, they've played with a, a fairly big lead in, in the fourth quarter. They just go pass-heavy the entire game. Uh, so the Chiefs, uh, like I said, against Denver, only 385 yards allowed, and that's one where they were playing from behind. For most of the game, or most of the second half, I should say. And I don't think that's a coincidence at all. I know Case Keenum, not the greatest QB in the NFL, probably would have had more yards if he connects on that pass to Demarius Thomas. Definitely, you have you you're, you surpassed the 400-yard mark. But uh, nonetheless, it is what it is. And I'm just throwing that out there for those who have been uh, concerned with those yardage. And I know that can come into play. And if a team can find a way to exploit that, Bill Belichick is one one coach who can definitely do so. Uh, I mean, you've got to be ready for that and not allow that to happen on a consistent basis. Another negative in this game, uh, this also goes with some of the penalties and ejections that that took place in the game. 11 penalties for 105 yards for the Kansas City Chiefs. Not a disciplined football team at all. So that definitely was a concern for the Chiefs. And and I mentioned some of the injuries. uh, Justin Houston, Passigno, uh, uh, Breland Speaks. Uh, I, I believe suffered a little bit an injury, but did come back in the game. Armani Watts had a groin injury. Uh, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, he's going to be out for a few games with uh, with a fractured fibula. And, uh, of course, you're still de- dealing with Eric Berry, who has yet to play this season, has not played for more than a year, and hasn't practiced since uh, the beginning of August. So it's been uh, two months since we've last seen Eric Berry uh, put on uh, pads and cleats and practice on the field with the Chiefs. Now, some good news for Eric Berry. He did jog with the team on Thursday, didn't practice. Friday, he was not seen at the practice facility, according to reports there. So, not exactly sure uh, if Thursday's uh, activity for Eric Berry, if that's any indication of him possibly returning soon. But, man, uh, with Chris Jones possibly facing a suspension, this would be a great time to see... Eric Berry back in the uh, on the defensive side of things uh, because this Chiefs defense, they will need all the help they can get against the New England Patriots. And let's not forget, it was Eric Berry who did a fantastic job against Gronkowski in last year's NFL kickoff game, uh, really just limiting him and not letting him make a lot of big plays and uh, really helping the Chiefs pull off that big upset to open up the 2017 season. So it would be nice to see Eric Berry back in there. I, I know... Uh, I know Armani Watts. I thought he played he played fairly fairly well. Uh, as a Jordan Lucas uh, made a couple of big plays in this one, including the interception. But uh, the, the the Chiefs are going to need some veteran help in this football game. They really will. And because of Eric Berry's absence, 
Uh, Ron Parker is really your only notable guy at, in the secondary at safety. Uh, but guys like Armani Watts, uh, he, he's certainly taken advantage of the uh, playing time that he has gotten more uh, playing time than expected. Eric Murray was out in this game. So that, that definitely allowed uh, guys like uh, Jordan Lucas to get some playing time in this football game. And maybe the Chiefs will consider making him active in next Sunday's game against the Patriots when the Chiefs go to Foxborough for Sunday night football. And like I mentioned, Eric Berry, gosh, uh, I would love to see him back this week. I don't know the likelihood of that. It could be 5% likely, could be 95%. No one really knows. He's been day-to-day for two months now. And Andy Reid was asked by the media if he thinks... Barry will play a game this season, and he got to give a vague answer saying, hey, look, they're just taking it day by day. That's really all he said about that. Definitely not a pessimistic response from him, but definitely not an optimistic one either. Uh, it's just one that they don't want to really speak of too much. And by the way, I got a couple of emails from Chiefs fans saying, why isn't Eric Berry saying anything? Well, one thing to keep... That's a, a great question. One thing to keep in mind. Yes, NFL players do have to talk to the media. However, that rule generally applies to players who are starters or players who play a lot. Uh, as well as... Uh, that's all who it applies to. Backups? They First of all, there's really... I mean, Chase Litton, for example... There's really no reason to talk to Chase Litton or Chad Henney unless they come into the game, make a few big plays, or if something big happens on the sidelines that they were involved in. Otherwise, backups really aren't requested, and if they don't play much, or if they don't play at all, they're not required to speak to the media. Players who are injured, they also uh, don't have to speak to the media. And a lot of times when they're injured... They're usually not in the locker room by the time the media is in there. So there's that as well. For those wondering why Eric Berry has not been talking to any of the media since he has been absent, has not been able to practice uh, for, like I said, about two months now. I want to go to the Facebook page for one moment. Facebook.com slash and I asked you guys... Uh, I, I mentioned the Chiefs are 5-0 with a two-game lead on everyone in the AFC except for the Bengals. I asked you guys, how do you feel about the game next Sunday night at New England? I promised I'd read your comments on this episode, so let's get into it and read a few of them. Linda had the first comment said, worried about some of the injuries the Chiefs dealt with in this football game. A couple of you guys said you were nervous. John said, I'm still nervous. It's still New England. It's still Tom Brady, despite having his number in recent regular season games. Sean said the schedule looked so difficult before the season started, but they keep grinding through every week. Brian wrote, after the way they play today, I feel like we have a good chance to win on the road. Trent wrote, we are 5-0. No one had that before the season started. We are in great shape. Troy wrote, humbled in New England. Too many injuries. Pats win 38-24. Steve wrote, I'm excited for the game next Sunday. This will be a real test for the Chiefs defense, and I expect a high-scoring game. Let's hope there are no suspensions. Uh, yeah, amen to that. I mentioned on the Facebook Live video, if you're a religious person, and uh, you, I mean, you, you obviously don't want suspensions, say a prayer, man, because the Chiefs do need everybody in this football game. Uh, but Steve wrote 34-31, Kansas City. A couple of other comments. Cameron wrote, I'm concerned that they may be a little too cocky right now. I fear the Patriots will knock them down a peg or two. It may end up being beneficial. However, 
Brent Rowe, Patriots are wanting revenge for last year's embarrassing home opener. We have injuries and we have some players uh, getting boneheaded penalties. We are always going to be in the game with Mahomes. The question is really, can the D make the Patriots offense punt? And the final comment comes from Katie. She wrote, if we can get a TD, uh, if we can get the first touchdown, we will have a chance and our defense has uh, to keep up and pressure Brady. If the defense pulls an interception, we will put Brady's mind out of the game. One interesting thing about Katie's comment the first three games of the season, the Chiefs forced, and I mentioned earlier, the Chiefs have started on defense in all five of their games. The first three, they forced a three and out. They forced uh, teams to punt. Uh, against the Broncos, the Broncos did score. Uh, a, a, they kicked a field goal on their opening drive, so that's the only time they've allowed a score on the opening drive of a game. And then in this game, not a three and out, but only one first down allowed, and they uh, forced a, an early punt from the Jaguars in this one. So... Hey, look, I mean, you, you never fix something that's not broken. I I would say that it would be better if the Chiefs got the football first in this game because you've got to go out to Foxborough and score first. But given the fact that the Chiefs defense has actually done very well to open up the first five games, I say start on defense. I mean, I mean hope for that at least. And I'm sure Bill Belichick, who, 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 who will study every single angle and every single aspect of everything I'm sure he knows it's somewhere in his notes he and his coaching staff I mean they they always just know everything remember that game against I I think it was Denver a few years ago where the Patriots won the coin toss and instead of uh, you know deciding if they wanted to receive or defer Belichick uh, had his players choose which direction they wanted to defend first and they came away with a big win so you know Belichick is going to be aware of the fact that the Chiefs' defense has done a pretty damn good job uh, opening up games in, the, in, in each of the five starts, allowing only a field goal in all five of the opening drives for opposing teams against the Chiefs. So he may even want to switch that up and say, you know what, let's let's not put Kansas City in the position they want to be in to open things up. Let's get the ball first. I, I would not put that out of the question. And as a matter of fact... I've got a couple of bold predictions for Sunday night's game. What are they? I'll tell you what they are on Thursday's episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. I've got two bold predictions for that one, and I think you'll be very surprised when you hear that. So check that out on Thursday's episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. We will preview the game between the Chiefs and the Patriots, and I've got those two bold predictions that I want to share with you on that episode. One NFL team with the luckiest game-winning field goal you will ever see. Also, I mentioned the UFC brawl, comparing it to the Chiefs and how they reacted to the trash-talking. I want to talk about that and explain why that brawl was a good thing for the company. I know it's a bad taste uh, for the sport, and it's a bad taste on everyone's mouth, especially new fans who watched that night to see Conor McGregor back in the octagon for the first time in 23 months, but something good came out of that. I'll explain why. Plus, there's one girl whose list... Uh, in a contract that her boyfriend was forced to sign has been leaked. The fa- the way it got leaked and the the rules uh, in this quote-unquote contract with her boyfriend, hilarious stuff. I'm going to share that with you and much more on the next episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Facebook.com slash Farzim Vesugian. Thank you all for joining me for the Facebook Live videos at halftime and after the game. We'll do it again Sunday night. 
Facebook.com slash FarzineVasugian. Give my page a like. Follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Send me an email, Farzine at FarzineVasugian.com. Subscribe to the Chiefs on Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Share the podcast as well. Spread the word about the Chiefs on Podcast. Appreciate all of you guys listening this season, all the interaction that we've had throughout the season. A lot of fun doing it with you guys. And I know we'll continue to do that as the season goes along. And that'll continue this Sunday night. My name is Farzim Vesugi, and a big thanks once again to all of you for downloading and listening to the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Enjoy the rest of your week. I'll talk to you guys on Thursday, previewing that big Sunday night game, Chiefs-Pats. Talk to you then. <laughs>